I feel like I need to give a disclaimer. Um, this is the last sermon on uh, MOVE. And beyond a grandson, I realize people have said, uh, this is going on forever. Well, we're done. But I also want to say why. Uh, this slide that's on the screen being the team to watch. Uh, we're right now, uh, the NBA right now is starting their playoffs. I'm not a huge NBA fan, but I have a son-in-law who is and whose team happens to be the Golden State Warriors before this year. Um, this year, the Golden State Warriors have won more games than any team in history, even more than the Chicago Bulls under Michael Jordan. If you're on the Golden State Warriors right now, you're not excited about that you're finally the team to watch. I'm sure of that. What you're excited about is what's happening every night when you go out to play and how it's clicking and what's happening, and to just be a part of that. Well, in a sense, that's what, why we're talking about what we're talking about. It's not because we want to have a certain attendance or a certain building or a certain budget. It's a conviction among the leaders that says, if we're doing what God wants us doing, we're going to see some amazing things around here. And we're going to be a part of that. And we're going to see lives touched and families touched and a community impacted and countries around the world impacted. And that would just be awesome to be a part of that. And the best way to do that is to be crystal clear seeing what does God want here? And how do we do it? And part of the reason I've been preaching about this for several weeks is because the leaders are focused on doing that, and I am so thankful to be a part of a church with leaders who want to do that. But it's not enough just for the leaders to be off in a corner doing that. We're a fellowship, a community, and everybody here needs to understand what's going on and why. And why we're coming with four priorities that says this is what we believe God wants us to be about in next year and the year beyond and today is our fourth priority but that's why we've been talking about it and why I wanted you to hear all those priorities because we believe it's what God has for us and if we're doing that then this is going to be a church where you're saying I'm glad I'm here to see what God's doing and to be a part of it but that's today and we'll stop. And we'll move ahead and do it. And one little funny story to reassure you. M my wife honestly doesn't have a lot of input in my sermons. But I did get an assignment this week. Next week, preach on mothers. And make them walk out feeling good about being a mom. So we're going to do that next week, moms. Come on back. And we won't talk about move and live it. And we will open God's word and give you an encouraging word to be a mom. And to help as you're a mom. So, having said all that, that was free, not part of your ticket. I want to show you two buildings. And I want you to pick which one you think is prettier. 
Okay? First building? Disney World at night. Second building? A lighthouse. Now, which building is prettier? Trick question. It all depends on your circumstance. If you got a ticket and life is good and you're about to walk into Disney World or Disneyland, you're going to pick that every time. But if you're on a ship on the sea in a big storm at night, the most beautiful building is that lighthouse. And that's really what we are going to talk about today. About this building and who we are. Why we're here. We've all got opinions and we may have our own things that we would like. Or what we think. But I want to start right away with what Jesus says we are. And why we're here. Turn over to Matthew 5 if you would. Verses 13 through 16. Jesus actually gives us two analogies for why we're here, what we're about. First of all, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So why are we here? We're here to be salty salt. You're the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's that phrase, a city on a hill. I love that image. I may be able to hide a candle and put a basket over it, a jar over it. Good luck hiding a city, and especially if it's on a hill. It can't help be sending its light out, and everyone is looking at it and seeing it. So it comes back to that question, why are we here? And I put all three buildings up there because, in a sense, that's what we wrestle with as a church. Every church does. And there is a part of all of us who is drawn to be that Disneyland, that wonderful place that's fun and I can't wait to get there. And I get to just enjoy being together in this wonderful place. And that appeals to me, it appeals to all of us. This wonderful place where we get to come. But I don't think that was Jesus' point when he talked about salt and light. What he was calling us to was to be that other kind of building, that lighthouse. A lighthouse that sends out light in a storm that gives people hope, that helps people find direction and safety, a place of refuge, a place to show people the way. And I think it's pretty clear from Scripture that Jesus calls us to be that lighthouse. There is a Disney coming. 
It's called heaven. And it's way beyond Disneyland at its best. That's hard to comprehend. I, I understand. I've been there. And Disneyland or World is amazing. But it's the garbage shed behind heaven. So that's coming. It's not that Jesus doesn't want to have that. That's what Brent talked about. There is a future coming when Jesus says, sit down and enjoy. The streets are gold. There are no tears. Everything works. Your body's restored. Come on in. But we're not there yet. And neither are a whole lot of other people. And so Jesus says, for now, I need you to be lighthouse keepers. Because there's a whole lot of people lost in the storm. And I came because I love them and I died for them. And I need you to shine the light. Because they need to find their way. And that's what we are. Now, why do we do this, whether, whether we'd like to be Disneyland and, and the place of fun and joy now? One reason we do it, because Jesus told us to. In a sense, we are obeying him. There's a lot of scriptures I could use. We've used them over the past few weeks. The one I want to use today <clears throat> is John 20, verse 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Part of why we're doing this is because it's not a vote. It's not a, a democracy. This is Jesus' church, and he says, this is what I need you to do. That's why I came to earth and why I'm sending you. The second reason we do it is because it's God's heart. It's what he cares about. The scripture we looked at a few weeks ago, I would use under that point, is just the story of Jonah. Jonah didn't like it either, but Jonah said, you know what? Okay, I get it. I'll go. Because it was God's heart. And he said to Jonah, how can I not care? And God sees people today still lost in the storms, and he says, how can I not care? How can I stand by and watch their, sink ship, their ship sink? But the third point is because as we come to Christ, God's heart changes our heart. And we see things differently. We see people differently. We care differently. If you would, turn over to 2 Corinthians with me. And I want to read two paragraphs out of chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. First of all, 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us, drives us, pushes us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Keep your finger there. We're going to read another paragraph. Christ's love drives us to care, to be lighthouse keepers. 
Because that love of Christ has come into us and has so affected us. And we realize what Christ has done for us and how different our future is, our life today is. And so what that changes is we're willing to turn to Christ and say, what can I do for you? For all you've done for me, what can I give you, Christ? How can I thank you back? How can I show you my gratitude, show you my appreciation? And he says, help me. You want to love me? Help me. Help me do what I came to do, what has changed your life. Help me. And that takes us to the next paragraph. Verses 18 through 20. All of this that we just talked about, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If I can stay with my lighthouse analogy, what I think Paul is saying there is that in God's great design, he sent Christ to earth and at the cost of Christ's death, he was able to purchase and build this immense, powerful lighthouse. But God now says, I need you to run the lighthouse. You're now the lighthouse keepers. It's not Jesus, it's you. Christ purchased that lighthouse and the light is there. But I need you to maintain the lighthouse. I need you to shine out that light. And as Christ's love changes our hearts, we start to see all the ships out there and the storms and the waves and ships sinking and people dying. And we see them differently because Christ's love has come into our hearts. And we realize they're not just statistics and numbers. They're real people with real lives and real families. And we need to do what we can do to shine the lighthouse out. That's our job, to keep the lighthouse. And I want to tell you something. I understand the night is getting dark. The storms are growing around us. But if you think in terms of a lighthouse, when do you work harder at the lighthouse? When it's sunny and nice or when the storms are crashing? And the darker our world becomes, the more it needs a lighthouse. That's not the day to pack it up and go home and say, it's wet out here. I'm cold. I want to go to Disneyland. Not if you're the lighthouse keeper. That's when you, you suck it up and say, I know I'm cold, but we got to keep this light going. Because there's people out there drowning and ships are going down. And we got to keep this lighthouse shining. So how do we do that? Three words. The first word is go. 
This is something that we're wrestling with in the church in America today. We've talked about this previously. We live on, in a heritage that for decades, more than a century, has been able to say they will come here and when they come here, we will tell them about Jesus. But we're all realizing they are not coming here anymore. Our culture is increasingly non-Christian, even anti-Christian. They're not going to come here. Like any missionary, we're going to have to go to them. We're going to have to get out of this building. We're going to have to go out, as Jesus used that parable, even if we have 99 sheep, if there's one on the mountain, we need to go find them. And that's where we're living today. That's the reality we face. It is going to be up to us to go out there into that storm. The second word in those three is show. I know tension builds for the third one, but hang with me. Show means that we have to show in our actions what our words are going to say. We have to show people that we really do care by what we do. And hopefully as we show people we care who they don't even know us, they don't understand it. I, I got to help with uh, the school carnival this Thursday night at Madison Elementary. And it was so fun because I had a couple PTO moms and a couple parents and teachers like, You're, what? why are you here? Why are you giving all this away? Why are you doing it? Why? Why? I love that. And I proceeded to preach to them. No, I didn't. <laughs> because I realized we have to first show. And more than one time, we have to show. We have to show them a God of love. I want to use again this quote I used a few weeks ago from Erwin McManus at Mosaic Church in Los Angeles. Please listen. He's right. People have given up on the truth because they don't believe anyone can be trusted today. Listen to that. Do people trust government? <laughs> Do they trust business? Do they trust the schools? Do they, tr they don't trust anybody. Management? People don't trust anybody. It's not just the church. That's our world. The world is full of people who have been hurt by those who were supposed to love them, who they were supposed to trust. Before churches will be heard, we must reestablish trust. To establish trust, they must first see our love, that we care. That is our task, to earn the right to be heard. We must go and show them by our actions we love them, we care. And that, of course, brings us to that third word. Then maybe we can tell. Not preach, but to just say, we care, and here's why. Because there is a God, and there is a God who cares about you. And he cares about me, and I've come to understand that. 
And he showed me how much he cares about us because he came to earth in human form as Jesus of Nazareth. And he died on a cross to pay for your sins and my sins. And because of that, we are able to have a relationship with this God who created this universe. This higher power that designed the universe has a name and his name is Jehovah God. And he cares about you. And he can help our lives work. He can put broken families back together and broken lives back together if you'll come to him and meet him and, and let him come into your life. That's our message. That's the light shining in the storm. That's how we do it. We go and we show and we tell. Where do we do it? You get a new word today. Glocal. This is an effective, I hope, effective teaching tool. I think it's a stupid word, okay? I, glocal. But here's what it is. And it's got a good point. Global and local. And the whole point of glocal is this. Too many Christians and too many churches feel like we need to make a choice. Where do we shine the light? And I know that's true in this church. Some of us are pulled in one direction. And I see that, in, and any church is that way. There are some who are pulled to minister in our community. And we should be there. But there are others who are pulled to minister in that bigger world of God, and that map motivates people and excites some people. And they see those nations, and they hear about all these who don't know Christ around the world, and they want to help with that. And that global need calls to some. And too many churches tend to make a choice between one or the other. And that's why about 10 years ago, an author coined a book about the church and coined this word, glocal. That we need to be a glocal church. A church that cares about the global work of Jesus and cares about the local work of Jesus. It's not either or, it's both and. And you see, I believe that is actually an obedience of Acts 1.8. Where Jesus says, I need you to be my witnesses in your own town, Jerusalem. In your own state, Judea. In your own area, Samaria. But also to the ends of the earth. That's global. Local and global. We're trying to do that as a church. And we've made some good beginnings. But we're not done. There's more to do. And that's part of what these priorities are about that we've been looking at. And this is the fourth and final stream that we are moving with God. That God is calling us to build on what we've already done and increase our impact for God. Our impact locally and our impact globally. Because we don't get a choice God needs us to do both. This becomes our fourth and final priority. 
that we will multiply our impact for Christ. There's three areas we're trying to do that in. One is the... Can you go back, Brad? Thank you. One is the community. Ministering... I crashed it. No, I didn't. Our community ministries. That we're doing some things. We just had family promise here. March was food shelf month and ACBC. We work in Hope for Youth. We are working in faith partnerships in two elementary schools. We are doing some things in community ministry, but there's more we can do. The Engage group has been praying this whole year just saying, God, where do you want us to engage this community? Open doors for us, and we'll get involved. There's one thing you can do right now, and that is community ministry is putting a list together of people in the church who says, email me when there's an opportunity. I may not always be able to help, but if I'm available, I want to be involved. So if you'd like to be on that email list, write that on that connections card, and we'll make sure you're on that email list in iConnect. If there's a community ministry opportunity, let me know, because if I'm free, I want to help. The middle one is outreach. We do not have a functioning outreach evangelism ministry team. We do not have a functioning outreach evangelism team. We need to correct that. We need help. We need people who said, I will help with this. I will help us be visible in the community. Simple thing. Andover Days is coming up. We've just gotten the email to register for Andover Fun Fest. We beat Froggy Hops last year and had the longest lines at our booth to hear about the church. Ryan and Elena were ticked off about that. I think they're going to try and come up this year and beat us. Froggy Hops, they're over here. It's a way to be visible in the community and doing other things to be visible in the community. It's helping offer training so we can learn how do we have spiritual conversations. That's part of what the outreach team does. And the third thing the outreach team does is just try and through the year have some events that they put on here that are perfect for you to invite an unchurched neighbor or friend to. They won't be threatened. They won't be embarrassed. They're going to walk away and say, hey, church is pretty good. I think I'll go back. That's the outreach team, but we need some people to help with that. Maybe God's putting on your heart to help with that. Put that on that connections card. And the third piece on the list is our missions team. Missions team needs more help. That we can have relationships with our missionaries and have communication with them and support and encourage them, not just with money. That we're doing mission trips so we can go ourselves for a week, two weeks. I'd love to see us have a missions festival every year 
where we're bringing in missionaries. There's more that can be done in missions. But we need some help. If you would like to help with missions, write that on the connections card. We are a lighthouse. We're lighthouse keepers. Will you take your shift? Will you help us shine that light? It's the final priority God has for ACC. To increase our impact in this community and around the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the good news of Jesus. We know the good news. We know him. And he has come and changed our lives. And we're so grateful. But that love calls us to help him. Help him share that good news so others can find out about your love for them. You've asked us for now to work in the lighthouse, not just enjoy heaven with you. That's coming, and we know it is. Give us strength to be patient, and for now to focus on being the best lighthouse possible. In Jesus' name, amen.